Fantasy Focus Football is presented by Geico. Switch to Geico and see all the ways you can save. It's Monday, yeah. August 7th. Do you know what happens one month from tonight? I believe that my Detroit Lions take right. on the Kansas City Chiefs in the first football game of the season. Right, so that's an interesting way of phrasing it, Daniel. I prefer the much more logical way oh, of like describing the matchup. Kickoff? Uh, no, no. I all was right, thinking right. more like the Super Bowl favorites make their regular season debut and play the Chiefs. Against the Kansas City Chiefs. Yes. I like where you're headed See, at. I just, yes. so, honestly, like we're a month away from the Lions season beginning. The most hyped Lions season probably of your lifetime, Since maybe ever, right? Not kidding. What do you like? What are you feeling right now? Like, I'm are pumped. you? I'm oh, okay. Pumped. So there's no, there's no nerves. There's no, no like. Nah, man. The idea, I, and I've seen a couple of Lions fans on social media talk about like how they're nervous because they're getting a lot of media attention, mm. right? The expectations are high. Guess what? That's what being a good football team is. You have high expectations. When your team sucks and your expectations are low, that's not a good thing. You, so uh, yeah, I am pumped and ready because I think everything that we saw last year is just leading towards us being able to take the NFC North this year. Oh, I'm excited, Field. Gosh, we need to find a way to ride this wave together this entire the, and I mean together, meaning like not just you and I. No. The focus needs to ride the wave with, with Daniel Dopp and his lines this year. Just along those lines about like, do you feel pressure? Do you feel excitement? Did you see Dan Campbell's quote about the oh. line? Lions having all their season tickets sold out for the first time ever. Love it. This is a great quote. Uh, Dan Campbell, are we, is there a way to manufacture hard knocks every year where just it's just him. Dan Campbell? Yes, yes. Like, I don't care who he coaches. Like, he could be coaching in the XFL at some point in his future. We will move the XFL to the fall. They will have training camp in August. You know, we'll, you know what? We'll keep it in the spring. Leave it. Yeah. The team will just have training camp in August. That's fair. And we'll just run the episodes throughout training camp, and then they can have five months off. And then come back for games in the spring. I mean, I, know I want Dan Campbell because he was asked recently if he feels any pressure from season tickets being sold out and just like general outside expectations. Quote, I don't feel weight. I feel wind underneath my freaking wings. Oh, truthfully. I love that man. Come on. Him. If you don't love Dan Campbell, there's something wrong with you. Hey, uh, is the last time that Jared Goff played the Kansas City Chiefs when he beat them 54-51? Is. is the last time they played. Well, hmm. last time him and Mahomes were on the same field at the same time, at least. Interesting. Very interesting. Potential for a lot of points in week one. Game one. we got a lot to talk about today because we're doing our divisional preview starting today. We will hit the AFC East. Yep. Um, I forget who we're talking about tomorrow, so I'm going to pretend. Another AFC team. Okay, another division. I, can't, I, don't, even yeah. just, I don't Is it the AFC? I'm not even sure. Uh, it might be NFC might be. East. All right, we're going to be talking about a division. Uh, we also have some news to lead off the show. Uh, we're also going to pick division winners and like potential wildcard teams as well. Here's what I know I'm going to do. Okay. So I want the audience to keep me in check, uh, or you. This would be a good Kyle task if Kyle was still here. So we're going to pick division winners. You yep. can only pick one of them. You're going to ask me division by division. I'm going to ask you if anybody else is going to make the playoffs. Yep. I'm going to end up with like 11 AFC teams making the playoffs. Just as a heads up right now. So yeah. if, if by the end of the divisional previews, everybody but like the Colts, Texans, um, and Broncos and Raiders have made the playoffs. My bad. Yeah. Sorry Math, about that. Not my specialty. We've established a lot of things recently. Intellect, not exactly up there for me. AFC is just super strong right now. It's kind of like wide receivers where there's, there are 30 Top twenty wide receivers Correct. this year. The AFC. We'll talk about. We'll talk about a team that I we'll think is legitimately it. good. That probably won't that be that good. That, that will not be that good this year. So let's start with the news, Daniel, because we got major news uh, involving Saints running back Alvin Kamara. Yes, we did. He was officially suspended for three games yeah. to start the NFL season after meeting with Roger Goodell, and then after being suspended for three games, which is something we can talk about earlier. We saw that the uh, Saints brought in Kareem Hunt 
to be able to kick the tires to see what's going on there. Workout only for now. Yes, yep. correct. So how are you breaking down this situation, understanding they're bringing in Kareem Hunt, yep. and we officially have a number on uh, Kamara. Alvin Kamara. So let's start here. Uh, Alvin Kamara was uh, 20, let me see if I have the right, uh, 20th on my running back board prior to this news regarding the suspension, Daniel. Um, I had baked in the idea that he was going to miss some level of time. I thought it was going to be four games, not three. Um, I thought six was going to be too much. I thought like, you know, one or two is too few. Too I figured four, he ends up getting three. So I had kind of already discounted Alvin Kamara a little bit. So there are two considerations that you have as it pertains to Alvin Kamara now for his season-long out- outlook is that, all right, you're going to have him for a maximum of 14 games now, right? He's missing three because of the suspension. Yep. But then you have to ask yourself this question, Daniel, which became a question last year, maybe even the year prior, is like, what exactly is Alvin Kamara in fantasy football now, right? Because there was a time where if Alvin Kamara was going to miss three games and you're saying, all right, well, I get 14 games of Alvin Kamara. Maybe he moves from like RB three to like RB six or RB eight, right? Because he was an elite fantasy player. The question is now, what are you getting from Alvin Kamara? Because the past couple of seasons have not been pretty. Um, So let me just start the three game suspension. Like that's baked into it. I think that it's short enough that you can find a way to fill in for Alvin Kamara adequately. Mm -hmm whether it's with a backup Saints running back or like your third Saints running back, I don't think this is too significant of sort of a gap for you to clear to have a really successful roster. Like drafting Alvin Kamara is not going to be burning a roster spot long enough. Like, for example, was the case with DeAndre Hopkins for some people last year. Right. He had a six-game suspension, plus the Cardinals had their bye. You didn't see DeAndre Hopkins until week eight. Like, that's just a long time to have to wait unless you have a really, really good team everywhere else to only have to get to week four for Alvin Kamara is reasonable enough that I think that uh, the the suspension's going to weigh a lot less heavily with Kamara than it did, obviously, with DeAndre Hopkins. Totally agree with that. Um, but this is what I, wanna, what, what I wanna know, is what level of player is Alvin Kamara now going forward? And this is kind of a natural springboard for us to just talk about like Alvin Kamara stock because um, over the past two seasons, Alvin Kamara's had over 200 rushing attempts in each of those seasons. Yep has just six runs of 20 or more yards. And you might be saying to yourself, yeah, but Alvin Kamara, it's not about what he does as a runner. It's about all those touchdowns he scores and all those passes passes that he catches, right? Well, Alvin Kamara, after starting his career with, this is 81, 81, 81, and then 83 catches in his first four seasons. That's legit. Down to 47 and 57 over the past two years. That's less legit. So the question just is like, is he still an elite receiving threat? Obviously, that those those two seasons uh, do happen to correlate with Drew Brees not being there. So is Drew Brees and his absence in New Orleans the reason why Alvin Kamara is no longer an elite receiving back? And if you believe that's the case, do you believe that Derek Carr can get him back to where he has been? So this is the hard part for me, Field, because after watching him have these two seasons where he wasn't used as the way that we want him to from a fantasy perspective, yeah. right? Career high in carries two years ago, 240, 223 last year. He had never had 195 in a season prior to that. So we're seeing more of like, you know, ground and pound Alvin Kamara and less of get out in space and catch a million passes Alvin Kamara. Yep. And he didn't top more than 80 routes in either of the last two seasons, in spite of having almost 100 in every single one after that. Yeah, it, this is tough because when I look at Kamara, it's about you see declining workload, mm-hmm. right? 
You well, see, as, a, as, a, as a pass catcher. As yeah. a pass catcher. Yeah. Right? And his, and his rushing efficiency isn't super great. You mentioned it about the 20-plus yard runs. Um, one of the things about Alvin Kamara, I'm looking at this right here, rushes over five yards. 35% of his rushes went over five yards. Less than 10 uh, percent of his rushes went for more than 10 yards. He's just not breaking it big from a rushing perspective, which, yeah. I, which I, is confusing to me because we've seen that explosiveness from him before. But now they bring have. in Jamal Williams yep. and Kendra Miller, yep. who we're excited to be able to see. And now they've brought in Kareem Hunt. To, for know, a workout. Just for, for a workout. Just for a workout. Yep. So nothing signed figure yet. figure things out there. I, I don't see this as a situation where Kamara can't be a top 20 running back for you. But I don't know why the passing game is all of a sudden going to change and go back to what it was before because now they've got Chris Olave, who they Mm -hmm. want to force-feed the ball to. Michael Thomas is back and finally healthy. They've added – I mean, Rashid Shahid looked great last year. I think that with what they've done with this offense, he's kind of settled more into that mid-tier RB2 era with maybe some – he'll have some spike weeks when he has some good receiving games. Yeah, and I think that's that's where I've settled as well, is that like when Alvin Kamara returns, I'll have him – Probably somewhere like around like RB12 to RB14 in a, a lot of basis. weeks. Yeah. Um, there's a chance that he climbs back up, by the way, if that receiving turns. But as you said, like we've seen enough of a dip over the past two seasons. And we'll talk more about quarterbacks who run and mm-hmm. how that impacts receiving opportunities for running backs. Yep. The past two years, other than Taysom Hill, he has not been playing with quarterbacks that run a ton. And by the way, Andy Dalton. He's imperfect, no doubt, right? But it's not like Andy Dalton is incapable of making the throws to Alvin Kamara that he was thriving off of for the first four seasons of his career. So I think that Alvin Kamara probably sees a bit of a dip in overall passing output. That that seems reasonable. I'm a little bit more encouraged, though, by the rushing output this year for this simple reason. You mentioned the explosiveness. Yep. I mentioned the stats. Yep. I read an article from uh, our buddy Nick Underhill does a great job, runs New Orleans.football. Him and Mike Triplett are uh, the two beat reporters on the scene there every single day. Mike Triplett, a former ESPN colleague of ours, and one of the things that Nick highlighted in his article was how Alvin sort of changed some of his training methods and he's worked with some different people to get back to his explosive ways. The beginning part of the article is like, hey, I know you read a million of these pieces every year. Fill in the blank player is in the best shape of his life or these are like fluff pieces. He's like, I, I, like that's all training camp. That's what, that's what happens during the off season. Yep. But this dove deep into why maybe Alvin Kamara can be a more explosive player. Maybe some of that rushing gets back on track. So I have not totally discounted the idea that Alvin Kamara could look much more like himself this season. So I will settle in as like a high end RB two when he's back the discount of him being a low-end RB2 in drafts is because you're not going to have him for the first three weeks of the season. Correct. Until he gets back, Daniel. If Jamal Williams does not have Kareem Hunt to compete with, pretty darn good outlook for three weeks, Daniel. Absolutely. Pretty darn good. And we saw what he did last year when he had, because DeAndre Swift unfortunately missed a lot of time in that Lions offense. We saw how useful he can be in fantasy. He's not going to be a huge pass catcher for you. But if if they even get down into the goal line, line, uh, area, you saw how effective he can be in goal to go situations. I, I think that Jamal Williams would still be a low end RB two those first couple of weeks without Kamara. Yeah, if, if Kareem Hunt is not if there, Kareem Hunt is not there, or yes. anybody else for that matter, anybody yep. like of note, and and maybe Kareem Hunt doesn't sign, maybe Kareem Hunt doesn't like. He was more name than game last year. He really struggled for the Browns. Uh, did Kareem Hunt last year? Maybe he's a different player, but like. I would think that Kareem Hunt has enough left in the tank that if he signs, he's going to have a real role. And by the way, that would complicate Alvin Kamara's value once he returns as well. Um, 
But for now, with Jamal Williams and Kendra Miller as the next man up beyond Alvin Kamara, like, yeah, Jamal Williams will be top 20 to 25 back for me in weeks one, two, and three, unless something dramatic changes for this reason. You mentioned how he was great in the goal line last year with minimal passing. He was a good receiver for the Packers. He's not Alvin Kamara, but he had a year with 39 catches and five receiving touchdowns. He is never going to see the kind of goal line work that he saw last year. No. Never. No. Again. Nope. No offense will have that. But he's good enough as both a goal line finisher and a receiver that until Alvin Kamara returns, you're getting top 20 to 25-ish value. Again, Alvin Kamara returns, I'll have him more like running back 12 to 14, but three games for Alvin Kamara to begin the season. So easy. I think that's way that's like, I don't, other than no games would be best case scenario for fantasy. Three games is totally doable for fantasy managers to be able to see their way through. All right, Field, let's talk about our divisional breakdown. You ready for this? Yeah, yeah, where are we starting? AFC East. We're okay. going to talk Bills, Jets, Dolphins, and Patriots. We're going to start with Buffalo. All righty. They were 13-3 and three last year. Their point differential was plus 167. Can I start here? Yeah. And we'll talk about the fantasy impact here in just a moment. The Buffalo Bills feel like the team that is just staring us in the face as like an elite, elite Super Bowl contender. Mm that is not being talked about enough as like a potential Super Bowl heavyweight favorite. You mentioned that 160, 169 was the actual point differential last year. Wow. Only the 49ers had a better one, Daniel. The Bills lost three games last year by a combined eight points. The Bills need to be talked about a whole lot more as the most legitimate threat to the Kansas City Chiefs this year. I get it until you've shown that you can do it in the playoffs. It doesn't matter. And that is why Buffalo fans and people that are sort of anti bills as Super Bowl favorites are a bit hesitant to make that same proclamation that I just made. Sure. I'm just telling you this roster, assuming Von Miller at some point early in the season looks close to himself, totally capable of being a dominant, dominant team, maybe the best team not named the Kansas City well, Chiefs. And all that field is led off the bat by the fact that they have one of the greatest signal callers in the game. You actually have Josh Allen as number one over Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. We talked about this last week, but in case people didn't listen last week, why do you have Allen over Mahomes? Yeah, so I made the case that like while you're getting comparable floor each week between Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes, like they're not going to have many games with fewer than 15 fantasy points. I think you're scraping the ceiling a little bit more with Josh Allen. I cited how over the past two seasons, Josh Allen, and this was not my status from Jared Smola of Draft Sharks, he has been a top three fantasy quarterback in close to 50% of his weeks. Like wow. that's absurd. Mahomes, a pedestrian 26%. I say that obviously yeah. <laughs> tongue in cheek, but over the past three seasons, Josh Allen has been a top three quarterback 22 times. Wow. The only player at his position that's been a top three player more frequently is Travis Kelsey at 23. So yes, I get it. There are fewer quarterbacks and there are fewer tight ends. It's easier to be a top three quarterback or running back, a quarterback or tight end than running back or wide receiver. But still you're getting this elite upside. Josh Allen, I just think is to me like, even though the bills are saying these things about like running the football a little bit less with Josh Allen, I think there is something to be said for not changing a tiger's tiger stripes. And I think that Josh Allen too much of instinct will take over that. I think he's going to have plenty of rushing to complement what will be yet another year. Well, he'll push for, you know, 35 passing touchdowns and maybe 4,500 yards through and, the air. And you talk about a little less rushing, like, Josh Allen still rushed for over a hundred times last year. He had 124, excuse me, 113 rushes last year. Daniel, you could cut his rushing in half and it would still be huge. Okay. Cut it in half as a rusher, right? And you'd still be getting 62 rushes 
for like 375 or 80 yards. Like we're talking about other guys who are like, yeah, like, you know, it really helps that you have Joe Burrow at like, you know, 250 rushing yards or Justin Herbert, you get 275, 300. Like you could cut Josh's numbers in half and get those right. And by the way, Josh is an elite passer. Yes. Five straight seasons with at least 35 passing touchdowns. Like if you don't think Josh checks all the boxes needed to be weekly QB one, I think you and I are seeing a different version of Josh Allen. All right, so the Josh Allen case is pretty easy there. Yeah. Um, that really leads to the next question, which is the question to me for okay. the Buffalo Bills when I'm talking about fantasy, yeah. right? We talk about how Josh Allen is so good at running the football, but we watched them draft James Cook last year. Yeah. James Cook, unfortunately, did not have as I don't want to say unfortunately, but we didn't see him as much last year. He was in part split in time with Devin Singletary. This year, we expect him to be uh, the, a, get a greater share of the work. He was uber-efficient. Yep. With small sample size was, last yeah. year, Field, do you think that he's someone that you could leave your draft with as a starting RB2? I think he's a really interesting zero RB target for those that would go with the zero RB strategy. He, I think the theory of James Cook has been better than the production of James Cook in fantasy so far. Yep. Right, The idea of James Cook, because when he was drafted in the second round, it was, all right, the Bills have finally cracked the code. They found that pass-catching running back. They tried to sign J.D. McKissick last offseason. He returns to Washington. Then they draft James Cook a month and a half later, and it's like, boom. The Bills have the guy that could push for 70 catches in this offense. The Bills are going to score a ton of points. You factor in touchdown equity, and James Cook could become the most fantasy-relevant back for the Bills since Josh Allen became the starting quarterback. I think that this year there's optimism it'll be better. Um, Most of the reporting so far from training camp seem to think that, like, He's a better player than uh, than both than both uh, Damian Harris and also Latavius Murray. So I think that there is like reasons to believe that he could very much command this backfield. But I'm also not naive to the fact that there is Damian Harris and, and, and Latavius Murray. Murray. So if you check the like the things that are needed for James Cook to be like RB two would be have lead the team in carries. Yep. Have more receptions than he had last year. He had 21 total. Six of those came in one game. Yep. He had seven games with zero catches last year. That's not going to come. So he needs to have a more consistent passing game role, which I would think he will get. But goal line carries seem like they're still going to be more likely to go to either Josh Allen himself or Damian Harris or, or Latavius Murray. So I, at, at the point you're drafting him, Daniel, there's like no downside to James Cook. Yeah. Right? Like he's super talented. He's going as like RB30 right now. That's just like. Say. Josh, uh, relative to other backs that are going in that same territory, I think James Cook has a much higher upside. So I'm, I'm totally cool with like James Cook at cost right now. It just there are there are the reason why he's not higher is it's totally plausible that Josh Allen and Damian Harris and Latavius Murray all have more rushing touchdowns than James Cook, and this team has improved wide receiver slash tight end play. Right. That James Cook goes from 21 catches to like. 35 catches and not more like 55 catches and you talked about him getting better here in his second year i think him getting better is basically just getting volume last year he averaged 5.7 yards per carry i mean that's that's rb3 on the season he's legit good last year he's really good 21 receptions but he averaged eight and a half yards per reception that would have been running back seven like if the efficiency was there we just got to find ways to manufacture touches for him because of all those mitigating factors, there's a reason why he is closer to running back 30 yep. than he is to running back 10. How do you feel about Damian Harris? Do you think there's any touchdown, like low-end Jamal Williams-type value here in this when offense? When he first signed, I was thinking, like, okay, this could be the perfect, like, what does Damian Harris do best? Finish at the goal line. Yep. Not much of a pass catcher, but, hey, he's a solid, like, 
you give him 10 carries from inside the five, he might score on seven of them. And right? if they want to be able to keep Josh Allen healthy, maybe they cut down some if, of this. If some of the things the Bills have said come to fruition, then Damian Harris could prove to be a value. The camp reports have been like a little bit less inspiring yeah. for both Damian Harris and Latavius Murray, so I've got my eyes on that. But um, useful in non-PPR leagues, I think a bench stash for right now because um, this is a guy who – what two seasons ago was awesome in fantasy. Yep. Right. He had like, I think the most rushing touchdowns in the NFL two seasons ago, maybe second behind uh, Jonathan Taylor. Like he's been a good player. I just think that uh, sort of like, um, like things fizzled quickly for Damian Harris. And so I'm not going too crazy over him in drafts. RB 42 for me right now. If I'm drafting him, it's likely because he's one of those guys. I, like, I'm not super thrilled because he's a non-pass catching running back that far yeah. in the draft. However, if I'm going to take a running back that deep into the draft, it's because, you know, fingers crossed, nothing happens. He's one injury away from being the lead back of one of the best offenses in football. That's, That's really what I was going to say about. is that I think it'd be hard for him to, with James Cook on the field, have a role other than like touchdown finisher. Yep. And those, as we know, are tough to predict. Yep. Like even if he ends up with 10 rushing touchdowns this season, are you going to know which weeks that you're going to get those touchdowns? And if you don't get them, are you getting something like seven carries for 33 yards and zero targets? I think that's the danger with Damian Harris in fantasy. Is there any danger with Stefan Diggs this year? No, I'll put it to bed quickly. Okay, yeah, good. nothing all good there. I know it was uh, it was a story for a while. Touch and go for a minute. Part of that was because of the fact that it took place in June when there's not a whole lot of other stuff going on. But for fantasy purposes, I have zero concerns about drafting Stefan Diggs, who was right at the top of my second tier of wide receivers. I believe wide receiver six overall. Massive target share once again last year. Going to find the end zone a bunch. And regardless of what took place between Stephon Diggs and Sean McDermott or Josh Allen, whoever it was, Stephon Diggs is a stone-cold baller. All-pro level player. Uh, Any other wide receivers in this offense? I think the only one I'm looking at is Gabe Davis as a post-hype sleeper. Yeah, exactly. And it may not even necessarily be sleeper. It's just like the value, right? Last year, Gabe Davis was going inside the top 20 of wide receivers. We all got really enamored by Gabe Davis. The player has not like gotten worse. It's not like the bills added a bunch of wide receivers this off season. The number two wide out for the bills is going where wide receiver 46 in the 13th round. So you're getting a guy who the role ostensibly is pretty similar. Yeah. Second slash third pass catcher in a bills offense. And you're getting him in late 13th round. That's the kind of value that I'm looking at looking for. I was like many in over my skis last year and placing him inside my top 20. Instead, he ends up as like you said, wide receiver 46 right now. I mean, just look at some of the players that are drafted around him. I think he has a much bigger, like, you know, Cortland Sutton is going six spots ahead of him. I think Gabe Davis's upside is way more significant than it is for Cortland Sutton. I would agree with that. I would agree with that. Uh, And if you got burned on Gabe Davis last year, that's okay. This isn't one of those situations where I got burned. So I'm out the second year because everything you just said field, it costs so little positional value within the draft you can grab him and still have that potential high upside of yeah, that offense. i mean he was you know in, in 16 games just under six targets a game last year so it's that's nothing to shake a stick at six targets a game from yeah, josh allen yeah it's not terrible it's just that you know there were weeks where it was like two and there were weeks where maybe where it was you know three and yeah. there were weeks where it's like 10 so um he's uh, because of the kind of player he is downfield even with a great quarterback like josh allen the efficiency is going to be lower all right last fantasy question here on the bills a lot of chatter. A lot of chatter on the net. The Dalton Kincaid is getting some work in the slot. Yeah. Is this one of those rare potential rookie 
like tight end sleepers within fantasy? Because normally you don't draft tight yeah. ends in fantasy. They still have Dawson Knox there. But I'm telling you, the interwebs are telling me that Dalton Kincaid is getting a ton of slot work. It's hard because it depends on what you're looking for. If you're looking for a lead upside, history tells us that's not going to happen. Not going to happen. Over the past decade, there's been one rookie tight end to finish in the top 10 in both fantasy points per game and fantasy points. Evan Ingram. Yes. Bam. How did you know that? Uh, I don't know. Can you see my computer right I now? I can't. No. Okay. No. Wow. Good call by you. I assume you'd go with Kyle Pitts, who even in a season in which he didn't score a lot of touchdowns, had over 1,000 yards as a rookie. Um, Pitts uh, was tight in 11 in points per game. He mm-hmm. just missed some time. I'm sorry. He played more than other guys, uh, so he ended up as tight in six in fantasy sports. So touchdowns. Pitts was really close, by the way. He's an awesome player, um, awesome talents, and a guy that I'm bullish on. But, uh, yeah, the, again, I'll go back to theory of Dalton Kincaid is that superb athlete, yeah, great pass catcher. Yep. If he is the number two or number three pass catcher in terms of targets this year, for the Bills, functioning is like, almost think of it like Marcus Colston for the Saints many years ago. Ooh. Big slot receiver, yeah. which is what Dalton Kincaid could serve as because Dawson Knox will be their traditional tight end. Then yeah, he's a favorite tight end late round value for me. This is one of those conversations, and we'll move on after this, but I think this is one of those conversations that's really interesting because after Stephon Diggs in this elite offense, yeah. it's really question mark after question mark after question mark, and the idea that Dalton Kincaid could be the number two like targeted pass catcher in this offense in his rookie season. Not a guy that I'm going to be leaving drafts with if I'm in a 10-team league as my tight end, but someone that if I am looking on the waiver wire or if I'm in a deeper league, someone yeah. I don't have a problem taking a shot on. Maybe. I mean, to me, he's a reasonable bench dash. Like, you know, you don't need seven wide receivers in your bench to draft like, two tight ends in a 10-team league. Yeah, no, that's fine. I mean, if you get Travis Kelsey, there's no need for him, sure. right? But if, like, if you Pat end up with Fryer David Muth Njoku or, or yeah, something, David you're Njoku. like, you know what? I'm just going to throw the Dalton Kincaid dart. Totally fine with that. Yeah. All right. What do you think this team does this year? Um, I think they win more than their 10.5 projected win totals. Um, I got them winning the division. I, th- I think they're the second best team in the NFL. I, I think also, they're awesome. I also have them winning the division okay. field, unfortunately, for All the right. rest of these teams. I know. Sorry about that. Sorry, Aaron Rodgers. Let's talk about the Jets next. All righty. Uh, this team is going to be very different this year, obviously, with Aaron Rodgers under center. He looked yeah, they are. very bad, yeah, very bad with Green Bay last year. Basically, his worst, worst fantasy season since a, his rookie year. Now that he has Garrett Wilson, now that he's had Alan Lazard come over, now that he has Nathaniel Hackett as his OC again, hmm. do you see this resurgence for Aaron Rodgers as a potential bounce-back candidate? All right, so I think Aaron Rodgers bounces back, not necessarily for the stuff that you just mentioned, okay. but just because right. like professional pride. I know that like, you know, your favorite fantasy analyst probably has like way better like stats. Like Mike Clay could probably rattle off nine stats as to why Aaron Rodgers will or won't. Bats, but, but you just like Daniel, think about this. All right. Aaron, Aaron Rodgers, Aaron believing Rodgers is four time NFL MVP. Mm-hmm. Like um, your hair grew longer when Aaron Rodgers got traded. Like it was the opposite of losing your hair because yep. you were like, thank God, get him out of the division. Yep. I don't care how bad he was <laughs> last year. If you don't think every NFC North coach, GM, scout player was like, thank the good Lord. Yes. The Packers don't have Aaron Rodgers under center anymore. You're crazy. We're thrilled. Aaron Rodgers is really talented. He did not forget how to play. It's so obvious that Aaron Rodgers was in a dark place last year. And I'm not talking about the retreat, Daniel. No. All right. No. Nope. I think he, he got to his wits end with the Packers and he was like, I'm out. I'm done. I need to get out of here, right? I need a fresh start. Aaron Rodgers sounds like a totally different person right now in New York. Maybe I'm taking the bait here, but it's not like I'm going hog, 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 like hog wild with Aaron Rodgers quarterback five. 
I think he bounces back in a major way. I think his pass catchers are fine enough. He's got one great one in Garrett Wilson. Yep. All right. I think he's like a borderline top 12 quarterback. That's where I've got him. I think that he is way more efficient as a passer this year. I think that he is way more consistent. I think he'll have boom games because he had he, he had zero games with 20 fantasy points last season. Like that's remarkable that Aaron freaking Rodgers did not have more than 20 fantasy points in a single game last year. So I think Aaron Rodgers bounces back a very respectable, like of the quarterbacks that stunk last year that we don't know about going into this year. And I'm talking about Matthew Stafford and Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers specifically. He's the one that by far I'm the most confident in being at least steady value. And I think it looks like a revenge tour this year. This year I am more confident because if he knows like he will hammer Garrett Wilson this year if he knows what's good for him. And last year he showed up to camp with binders full of what's good for him. So he knows what's good for him, by the way. Dude, not only that, but like, you know, not trying to be a pot shotter here because he's now on the Jets and he has some value in fantasy. But like his number one receiver for the first half of the season was Alan Lazard, right? Like Garrett Wilson is much more Devontae Adams than he is Alan Lazard. He's not there yet, but he's got a chance to become like one of the top five or eight receivers in the NFL. Christian Watson was wide receiver 34 last year. Alan Lazard was wide receiver 36 last year. Garrett Wilson is going to be what? Top 12? Easy? I mean, I've got him top 10. Yes. And it could be, by the way, of the players in my top 10 that I'm nervous I didn't rank high enough. He's very much towards the top of that list. It's just... Somebody has to be, I mean, who's going to go in front of him is the question, right? That, like, that who do you removed? AJ Brown, Amon Ross, St. Brown? Like, you're not removing Tyreek Hill or any of the guys at the very top of the board. So I've got Aaron Rodgers as a fringe top 10 or 12 quarterback this year because I think that just pride brings him back to where he was. And for a long time prior to last season, Aaron Rodgers was as steady as it came in fantasy. Like, you knew you're getting a floor of, like, quarterback 10. I yeah. think he is much closer to that player this year. Not top five, quarterback 12 on my board this season. When, it, when it's when it's a guy like Aaron Rodgers, do you even care about the schedule? Early schedule. Yes, I do. That, that I will tough. say this. Like if you're a detractor, I think the detractor side is much more about the fact that they play a freaking gauntlet than it is about the fact that, hey, this player is like no longer good. Like that that is the part that makes me nervous for this Jets team. All right. So let me say this real quickly. Yeah, go for it. Week one yep. versus the Bills, then at the Cowboys, then the Patriots, yep. then the Chiefs. Yep then the Broncos, yep. then the Eagles. Yep. Just tell me when you get to a defense that you're like, okay, we can handle them. Giants, and yeah. then the Chargers, yeah. then the Raiders. The Raiders is where Raiders I start to feel like, it. okay, yeah, but oh, it's that week 10? Yep. Yeah, it's scary. Yeah, it's yeah. scary. Yeah, it's we're going to learn. Schedule. I've said this many times about the Jets this offseason. We're going to learn a lot about the Jets within the first week, first month of the calendar year. Yeah. Of the, of the NFL calendar, I should say. If this Jets team is as good as the optimist think, then we're going to be talking about them as like a three and one team through four weeks. That is the biggest threat to the chiefs. They could be one and three after four weeks. It wouldn't surprise me either. And then we got to wonder Aaron Rodgers, who I don't think has a lot of patience for being bad at this juncture of his football career. What is it? Is it a one year arrangement? Does this thing, is it a house of cards? Um, I'm more optimistic, but um, he took a big pay cut, didn't he? I mean, how could, how could this turn into a one year arrangement knowing that he's mortgaged a little bit of his future I to mean, be here? Dude, when you've made so much money at that point, matter like, what, yeah. when there's three feet of snow, what was the old John Calipari line? I think when he was the UMass coach, he was like, whether you got three feet of snow or four feet of snow, there's a lot of snow. There's a lot. <laughs> That's fair. Which I can All confirm. Right. Yeah. I hate snow blowing. That's a lot of snow. I hate doing <laughs> That's it. That's a lot of snow. Yeah. Anyways. All right. Uh, how are you approaching? We talked about running backs last week. Yeah. How are you approaching Brees Hall right now? We're still waiting to see 
Dalvin Cook news field. I yep. haven't heard anything more on that. Still coming back from yep. his his uh, injury last year. I am approaching this like Dalvin Cook will be a Jet. That's how I'm approaching this. Really? Until he's not a Jet, I expect Dalvin Cook to be a Jet. There's been way too much flirting between these two sides. And by the way, when things felt like they were getting closer and closer, you started to hear more and more about how it would enable the Jets to slow play Brees Hall at the beginning of the season, which felt like it was important to them. So he's going a little bit ahead of where I'm probably ready to pull the trigger on Brees Hall. I've got him as RB17. He's going as RB12 right now in drafts, middle of the fourth round. So it's not that I don't think the world of Brees Hall is a player. No. But there are a couple of guys right behind him. Three straight that you like. Thank you. Aaron Jones, Najee Harris, and why is Ramondre Stevenson going as RB15? More to come on Ramondre in a bit. But yeah, I just think there's like those three guys right there represent a much safer play with tons of upside too. I totally agree with you. And I think the way I'm approaching Brees Hall is this. If I knew for a fact, and we find out that he gets medically cleared, everything is good, no big deal by the start of the season, I'm doing my drafts. I got no problem drafting Brees Hall. Right now, it makes me think back to the idea of like you can't win your fantasy league in the draft, but you can certainly hurt yourself in a massive way. Yeah, I would rather have one of those running backs that doesn't have this injury risk this year around Brees Hall because I feel like the upside there is so much smaller now that we have this Dalvin Cook news. Right? Totally, yeah. And, and a lot of this is anecdotal. We're just trying to read between the lines. I'm trying to figure out and, and project what do I think could potentially be best case versus worst case scenario. I think some of those other running backs with this Dalvin Cook news just are a lot more exciting to me. Well, and I, I think the the upside for Brees Hall is is in line Huge. with those three guys. Yes. Uh, but, you know, a 17-game season, are the Jets going to be able to, like, count on him out of the gates? If they don't sign Dalvin Cook, are they going to kick the tires on other veteran running backs? Like there are enough ways in which Brees Hall gets slow played to think that like a top five fantasy season is probably out of reach. It just feels like an interesting line because after Ramondre Stevenson, it's Jameer Gibbs, Damian Pierce, Rashad White, Miles Sanders, James Conner. And you're like, all right, the upside of 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 Brees Hall still feels like pretty like clearly better, better than, than those that guys. tier. Yep. But it just feels like when he's going behind or excuse me, ahead of guys that you kind of know what you're getting or what you expect to get. That to me is why I think it's a little bit early, but love the player. It's just, there are some factors you have to consider. Uh, we'll talk more about this with Stefania because yes. I know she has uh, opinions on these two running backs, uh, young running backs uh, that are coming back from ACL tears in the case of Javante Williams, ACL plus more. And I want to know so much about that because the last two years, if you remember, we had Saquon Barkley. That was a thing that we had to worry about. Yep. And Stefania was on that. And then JK Dobbins last year as well. So I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm being cautious here with these runs. cautious. That's how I'm drafting. Brees Hall is cautiously. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yep. Uh, Garrett Wilson. We talked about potential breakout season. It's hard to be a, can you have a breakout season? That, yeah, have 140 like, targets last year? Yes, and here's why. <laughs> just I just wanted to share this stat that Kevin Pulsifer helped me find yesterday okay. just Love to give KP. you an idea of how things can get that much better for Garrett Wilson. Garrett Wilson had a 56.1% catch rate last season. Is that good or bad? 75th out of 80 qualified receivers. That's bad. Okay. That tells you about how bad the quarterback <laughs> play was, all right? The league average was 65.1. Gosh. All right, so just if you were to give him a league average catch rate last season, it would have been 13 more receptions. He would have been ninth in the NFL with 96. And if you look at the guys that are ahead of him, most of them have a much higher catch percentage, mm-hmm. right? So uh, the Jets had a league-worst 57% completion percentage. 
They were 28th in the NFL in off-target percentage. Say whatever you want about Aaron Rodgers. In the crappiest season in a while, maybe ever for Aaron Rodgers, his completion percentage was 65%. His off-target rate was 15%. League average. So in a crap season, Aaron Rodgers, in two very important metrics, is average. If it's a good Aaron Rodgers season, he could lead the NFL in both of those categories. So uh, the sky is the limit for Garrett Wilson this season. I've got him as wide receiver 10. And as I said, I could be too low. Do you have any sleepers in this offense? outside? Sort of like, not really. um, I don't have him ranked. So then Corey Davis has, yeah, no. Corey Davis has enough pedigree. Yes. As the fifth overall pick, not that long ago. It's crazy, right? That like, Sure. There's a world in which he can be useful. I just don't think anybody has 17 game value. Al Mazard will be a, a bench play uh, for 17 weeks, right? You'll use him on occasion, but you'll be drafting him to start on your bench. I've got him as wide receiver 43 right now. Remember when the Titans drafted Corey Davis? Boy, they just don't know how to use wide receivers, do they? Mm, not often. Not often. Hopefully Yikes. they do with DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, what do you think this team is going to do? Last year, I've got him as seven right on the board. So I, I can only pick seven. I'm going to pick 12, but I'm going to pick him as a playoff team. You, the Jets as a wild playoff card. team? Yep, wild card. Aaron Rodgers factor. Okay. I am going to go non-playoff team You're a hater. the Jets. You're a hater. You still hate Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Why would I can't that, blame you. Why would that change? It Just wouldn't change. It would not change at all. I hated my entire life. Yeah. Come on. All right. We're going to pay some bills here real quick, and then we're going to talk about the Dolphins and the Patriots. But Alrighty. first, football is back. Yeah. Field. Sweet. Catch every pass, every tackle, and every heart-pounding play live and in person thanks to our go-to ticket source, Vivid Seats. Vivid Seats delivers great deals on great seats, and they have your back with their 100% buyer guarantee. Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN, is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code FFF. That's code FFF. Download the app or visit vividseats.com today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Need to save some money, Field. Of course you would, Daniel. When it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help, like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus add an easy to use mobile app available 24 hour roadside assistance and more. And Geico is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you can save. It's easy. Simply go to Geico.com or contact your local agent today. Take your shot at huge wins with DraftKings Sportsbook. You could win big with money lines, props, parlays, and more right now. New customers can score $150 in bonus bets instantly for betting just $5 on anything. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use the code FFF. That's code FFF only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In partnership with Hollywood Casino at Charlestown Races, all games regulated by West Virginia Lottery. Please play responsibly. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash baseball terms. Boom. That was an A-plus effort right there. Thank you. That one felt really good. Do you need good. the rest of the show off? Uh, you know what? I'm going to say no. Okay. The only reason I'm going to say no is because I have seen on social media, people are actually listening to us and getting ready for draft pep prep field. Our friend Ruth Ann Moreau sent us a photo of her family yeah. sitting down. Oh, how great was watching this? Watching Fantasy Focus. They're getting their daughter, Caitlin, ready for the draft. She wants to go Cooper Cup number one overall field. No problem with that. I, no problem whatsoever. This time of year, it is so exciting because it's like, we all get to we all get to do this thing that we have been waiting for for yeah. forever, 
And it's like, now we go to the calf. We go to the place. I get to talk to random strangers that I don't even know at the gas station. And as soon as they see me learn a Lions shirt, it's like, oh, let's talk about football. I freaking love this time of year because of that. Um, One month away. ESPN NFL YouTube channel, by the way, if you want to watch. YouTube.com slash ESPN NFL. If you don't subscribe already, do us a favor. Check it out and subscribe. Absolutely. uh, On top of wherever you get your podcast. And in case you want to ask us any questions, Field, we're trying to get some questions this year in case we want to do a mailbag episode. Where can people send questions field at fantasyfocus.org that's field at fantasyfocus.org try to make it easy for you to remember soon i think we're gonna have daniel at fantasyfocus.org i think that's gonna happen i I I think we just literally have to press a couple buttons yeah i bought the domain so i'm paying money every month wait does that mean i have to buy the domain from you in order to get i'll venmo you like a monthly like (laughs) like you're paying rent yeah that was great thank you for letting me pay rent for an email address yes thank you i'm renting this from google (laughs) you are renting it in turn from me who's renting it from google (laughs) all right let's talk about the dolphins next last year they were nine and eight yeah nine and eight but that was tough field Tua tungavailoa got hurt we saw the explosiveness of this offense do you think that Tua can be a starter in 10 team leagues or is there any concern for you? this Fringe year? starter for me. I think the thing with Tua, and this is, I'm going to keep it really simple here, yep. is that while he has zero rushing upside, at least we have seen that Literally over the past couple of years, he had 24 upside. rushes for 70 yards last year. He rushed a little bit more in prior years. I think in this offense, it's very clear that the Dolphins are not prone to rushing Tua. I think you uh, obviously now account for the fact that he had multiple concussions last year. The Dolphins are very unlikely to rush Tua a whole bunch. They're going to do everything they can to protect him. So, yeah, he's going to have zero rushing value. But truly, as a passer, not too many quarterbacks have as much weekly upside in their offense as Tua has in this Miami offense, the most explosive offense in the NFL for a good chunk of last season. Look at some of his games last year. Freaking nuclear in the first half of the season. I know that people have heard this before, but just 469 yards, six touchdowns, two interceptions. That was week two. Then he had a stretch where he just went crazy from like Halloween to Thanksgiving. 200, I'm sorry, 382 passing yards, three touchdowns, no picks. 302 passing yards, three touchdowns, no picks. 285 passing yards, three touchdowns, no picks. Like, he had some absolutely bonkers weeks last year. Uh, Things obviously got a lot worse when they started to face the much more difficult portion of their schedule. The Dolphins are going to have to prove this year that they can overcome some great defenses because the AFC East is loaded with great defenses. But I think Tua is a fringe starting quarterback every single week that, because of his pass catchers, gives him massive massive weekly upside yeah those pass catchers is really where it's at knowing that he doesn't use his legs i I think fringe qb1 makes a ton of sense obviously there is a lot of concern because everyone's just worried about what his health is going to be this year right and it's really hard to be able to project that that was part of why he wasn't hired too is that you know you understand just the uh the the vulnerability for a player that had what two or three three. concussions last year at least two concussions last year that caused him to miss some time but you talked about how explosive this offense when you've got freaking tyreek hill and jalen waddle fields two guys that are basically top 12 wide receivers how can you not have this kind of an offense run through to it like what are you i don't even want I don't want to say, what are you doing with these guys? Like you're drafting Tyree kill. You're drafting Jalen Waddle. The question is what's the ceiling with both of them. So I think with Tyree kill, it's wide receiver one. I mean, he almost led the NFL in, in receiving yards last year. If you look at his numbers with Tua, it's bonkers. He caught actually both of the dolphins receivers caught all their touchdowns from Tua. That's just a wild stat Amazing. that last year, given how great they were. when I mean, you just look at their full season stats, like in those four or so games without Tua, they didn't have a single touchdown catch between the two of them wild but um 
like I can't forecast that Tua is going to miss time. Like no. he's vulnerable in the same way that every quarterback is vulnerable. Um, he just feels a, like a slightly different category. But yes, yeah, so I'm still all in on both these wide receivers. And the beauty of it, Daniel, is that in this offense, more so than almost any other offense in the NFL, you know where the ball is going. Like mm-hmm. who was the biggest addition to the Dolphins pass catchers this offseason that you think matters? Like actually like has a material impact on the passing game. Probably nobody, right? Probably pass. Yeah, would, there really is no. Yeah. There's nobody that you were like, oh wow, like, you know, if they had signed, uh, like, you name it, like, if they had signed a reasonable third receiver, you might be saying to yourself, like, nah, I thought they did that last year with, with Cedric, Cedric Wilson. Wilson. Yeah, who had happens. no role. But how about this? Last year, the two Dolphins receivers, Jalen Waddle and Tyree Kill, combined for 287 targets. That's a lot. Second most of any duo in the NFL. First was Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson. Okay. More because of Justin Jefferson than Adam Thielen. Yep. But same deal. Like if you're like, oh well, like that's great. They got lots of targets. But like, what if they don't run as many plays this year? What? Well, in terms of percentage of total targets, they had 51 percent of the Dolphins' total targets. Second best amongst any duo behind only AJ Brown and also Devonte Smith. So like. When the Dolphins are throwing it, it's usually going to one of to those one two of those guys. guys. So, yeah, yeah I, I mentioned uh, in a recent podcast how there are perhaps a few concerns, uh, you know, a slight bit of concern for Jalen Waddle, only because he has a higher variance due to the depth of his targets. Right. And that some things were uber efficient last year, and we try not to chase uber efficiency year over year over year. But I've got both of these guys as top 20 wide receivers. They are the best duo of wide receivers along with, Higgins and Jamar Chase in all fantasy. Jalen Waddle had a 25% target share as a rookie that did drop last year to 20% with Tyreek Hill there. But in spite of that, he still has back-to-back seasons with at least 15 fantasy points per game. He still feels like a lock in spite of the fact I would love to see Waddle get more targets. But even so, he still feels like a lock for that easy wide, low end wide receiver one, high end wide receiver two you want to add to your team this year. Yeah, I mean, he's, by the way, like really, really like I'm going to go out on a limb here. Uh Oh, Jalen Waddle's awesome at football. Like just a great player. Yes, he's a super talented beast of a player who and Mike talked about this last week as a rookie. Jalen Waddle had the most catches by a rookie receiver ever, but it was like for nine yards per catch. Yeah. Last year, over 18 yards per catch. Like, that's range right there, man. That is freaking range for Jalen Waddle. So don't overthink it too much with those two guys. Like, just feel really good about both of them in your offense or in your fantasy roster. It's going to be a bit more consistent for Tyree Kill because he is going to lead them in targets, and he is going to have crazy games where he explodes for 200 yards and a touchdown. One-word answer here. Is there another pass catcher on this offense that you like? Okay. Nope. Is this backfield a mess right now? Feel like it? It feels like between Devin A. Chain yep. and Devon, then yeah. the Devon A. Chain, excuse yep. me, Jeff Wilson and yeah. Raheem Mostert. Like, I don't want to draft any one of them. Mess. Here's a fun fact for you. Last year, is it there really were a, um, uh, probably not <laughs> okay, actually. Not fun facts. But how often are fun facts actually fun? Not, not often, right? Very much a misnomer, right there. It is. Now, here's a fact okay. for you. There were 160 times where a running back had at least 20 touches in a game last year. Okay. Zero times was that by a Dolphins running back. Why am I drafting a Dolphins running back? I mean, so here's why you're drafting a Dolphins running back is that you're drafting a Dolphins running back in case Mike McDaniel wakes up on September 10th and says, my favorite running back this year is going to be Jeff Wilson Jr. Because if you have the lead back in this offense, yeah. you can find some value. Yeah. 
not elite value because you know the volume is unlikely to be significant. But yeah, so you're right, Daniel. They're like, to me, it's close to a stay away backfield for a backfield that I think is super talented and can legitimately like do damage for this offense. Or these are not bad players. They're good no. players. But this this backfield is crowded. Yep. Even though I think Dalvin Cook's going to be a jet, the Dolphins are hanging out there as a suitor. And if you just go back to last year, not only was there that number that I just gave you, the zero instances of at least 20 carries. If you go back and look at the games post Jeff Wilson trade, it was like three games where he Mostert was the dude and three games where Jeff, Jeff Wilson Jr. was the dude. It feels like you're going to have to get lucky and guess which one is valuable in a given week. I wish you could see my screen right now. Since Wilson arrived in week nine, okay. Randy Mostert had five single-digit games and three double-digit games. Jeff Wilson had five double-digit games and only two single-digit games. But when you look at them, it was just like you said. I was trying to go through and be like, what's the correlation here? Is this, can I pick one on a, on a given week? Do I know which one it's going to be? If I had to choose, I would... Uh, I'm looking at these two running backs. One of them is a 31-year-old running back with a big injury history. The other one is a 27-year-old running back also with a big injury big history. history. Yeah. So I'm going to go with Jeff Wilson just because he's four years younger than Raheem Mostert, and that's honestly what the answer is. That's as simple as it gets. I've got Wilson three spots ahead of the rankings. Daniel, the logic behind that is pretty flimsy. I don't really have a good reason. <laughs> yeah, I don't have a great reason. And <laughs> I see all the tweets that are excited about Devon A-Chain. I like Devon A-Chain a lot, too, in Texas A&M. The dude can freaking fly. He is an ideal fit, is a one-cut runner. Yep. The question I would pose is that, do you really think Devon A-Chain is going to have this backfield job unto himself? No. And Not to he, himself. Yeah. I mean, maybe for a couple of games, the answer is yes. Do you know when those games will be? I think the answer is no. Moreover, like, he might have a lot of games where he gets, like, eight opportunities. Right. Because they have three guys who can play. He's a smaller player. He's a fine dynasty stash. Totally fine. I just am having a hard time getting excited about Devon Achain being the kind of redraft weekly starter that I sense some people are a bit more excited about. Field, as we are getting into these conversations, yeah. rookie hype trains just start getting out of control because we get excited about what we haven't seen Shiny yet. toy syndrome, right? Right? Yeah. And it's it's really tough because I'm totally with you on, on A-Chain, but there's just in this situation, I'm trying to look at the situation. It's not about the player. Yeah. It's about the situation that they're in. So I'm with you. This backfield's a mess. Yeah. If I can stay away from it, I'm going to try to stay away from it. All right. Yep. I'm with you there. Uh, um, I got the playoffs. Missing the playoffs? Making the playoffs. No, you got three of the field. I'm a soft crater. Oh, my gosh. Everybody's right. going to go to the playoffs. It's going to be great. So two wildcard teams coming from the AFC East. We're actually, uh, yes, two out of three. <laughs> okay. Maybe three out of three. I don't know. We'll talk about the Patriots in a moment here. We'll get there in a second. Uh, I... Boy, I don't know if I can have three teams. Their defense is supposed to be really good this year, too, although the Jalen Ramsey injury does hurt a Nasty little bit. Nasty defense, explosive offense. Give I'm going to take me. playoffs. I'm going to give them the playoffs. Too. All right, so you took the Jets, not in the playoffs. Not in the playoffs. All right, so Forget we get two guy. of your playoff spots filled. Three right. of mine. Three of my 11. All right, let's talk 12. about the last team here in the AFC East. New England Patriots last yeah. year, they were 8-9 and nine yeah. field. Actually had a positive point differential. That's something that both the <laughs> Dolphins and the Jets didn't have. What is do the, the Patriots are so hard to figure out? I mean, well, but like their crappiest season ever was eight and nine with a positive point differential. But, but like how, how is that possible? I don't know. Bill Belichick. That's how it's possible. And a nasty defense that I think will be even nastier this year. Offense, though, I think here's what I'll say. Yeah. Can we talk about something? Please. Like we get to watch the Patriots offense and not hate ourselves while doing it this year. Yep. That's an upgrade. Yep. It was truthfully 
other than like maybe late season Arizona Cardinals offense as tough to watch last year as any in the NFL for fun. much of the season. It wasn't yeah. fun at all. So they're going to be a professional outfit. Bill O'Brien's a fantastic offensive coordinator. This offense will be better. I have no doubt about that. I just don't know for fantasy. We have a whole lot more players that are going to matter. We do have one though. We have one. And it's, it's Ramondre Stevenson. Yep. And I'll just say it like this. Ramondre Stevenson, as things presently stand, has one of the safest and clearest paths, clearest paths to an awesome year in fantasy. Yep. Let's start here. He's really good. Yes. The dude's a beast. Great pass catcher. Great runner. Beyond that, Patriots depth, very, very, very thin right now. He had over 1,000 rushing yards and 90 targets last year. Yeah. The only other running back to do that was Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, I mean, Ramondre Stevenson rules. He freaking rules. Patriots depth, backfield depth, not very good right now. Not good. Pierre Strong, Kevin Harris, uh, I guess Ty Montgomery, who might be a receiver. Um, but the point is that it's not like he's got a bunch of competition. And this Patriots offense, I think, will be less reliant on him as a pass catcher, but I think it'll be a better running game. Like, he should be an RB1, a Leslie Gellion signs, which, or somebody else Ooh. who's a capable backup running back signs of the Patriots. Do you th- so let me ask you this question, because last year he wasn't really the touchdown guy either because yeah. Damian Harris was there. Yep, doesn't need to be. Could yeah. he still be a potential RB1 even if Zeke signs without that touchdown equity? I think he goes down to like a strong slash mid-tier RB2. Okay. Like I think I would put him at like right behind the types of Najee Harris, Aaron Jones, Maybe like Travis Etienne in that range. Maybe a little. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, Aaron Jones, Najee Harris. Yeah, that's somewhere like 14, 15. Yeah, right James Conner type, like right around that group. Just because if Zeke comes, or if, if Zeke signs, or if anybody who's legitimate signs, that player is going to have a really good shot at some goal line opportunities. Especially yeah. Zeke, because that's what Zeke does. Two things still at a pretty high level: score on goal line carries and pass protect. Yep. So he'll have a role if he signs with the Patriots. Um, but yeah, if Ramondre Stevenson doesn't. Have like someone sign like this is how good Ramondre Stevenson is in the Patriots eyes. They've been load managing him during training camp. Like I get it when you're like reading about how it's like, hey, like you 24? know, yes, <laughs> yes. Like, hey, like if, if you want to load manage Aaron Rodgers, right? Right. I get it. He's 39. DeAndre Hopkins. Right? Hey, Travis Kelsey. Yeah, like sweet. Ramondre is literally in the third year of his career <laughs> and the Patriots are load managing him so far. Like what does that tell you for what they have in store for him this season? That, that he should be a very, very busy man. Yeah. But, Daniel, beyond that, I'm not sure anybody's a guarantee to crack the lineups for the Patriots this week. Field. Defense will be sweet. I want to push you on that. Okay. I am sure nobody is a guarantee to crack fantasy lineups after Ramondre Stevenson. Um, Tell me who you like of these pass catchers that you would start in your fantasy lineup. So here's what we have to figure out, is what are you looking for? Because if you're looking for a player that is a top, like if you're looking for a potential top 20 wide receiver in the Patriots offense, you're, you're looking in not the wrong here. offense. Yep. Okay. But... If you're looking for what Jacoby Myers has been for the past few years, right? Like a very usable, solid, dependable flex play that's out there. I would cast my die on Juju Smith-Schuster. Like he'd be my pick, right? Got a legitimate contract this offseason. He's a good player, right? Like probably not as good as he was when he had that 1,500 plus yard season. But like Juju's good. The dude can play. He had over 900 yards last year for the Chiefs. Um, Volume should be one of his strengths. I just think that the Patriots have strength in numbers, like a bunch of like fine players, like a bunch of solid players in their wide receiver room. I don't think they have a game changer amongst their wide receivers. So I think that you have to kind of pick one Juju amongst the wide receivers is my pick. If like, if one is going to settle in as like a weekly wide receiver, 27 to 34 Juju Smith Schuster. 
I you hear, seem less convinced. I just I hear all the things you're saying. I just watched Juju Smith Schuster last year with the greatest quarterback in the NFL put up a very pedestrian season at the wide receiver position. Mm-hmm. And now he's gonna move to New England, have a New England winner he's gotta play through. And oh wait, oh, it man. went from Patrick Mahomes to Mac Jones. Yeah, I mean I mean, Tyreek Hill got had better season after. You're right. Um, you're right. But, but that, dude, like that's you know, a Tyreek Hill thing. Not like Juju's not that same level of player. I know, but me. like, seventy-eight catches for nine hundred and six yards last year. That's that's not terrible. No, that's not terrible. But like, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, that was fine with the greatest quarterback I, in the I game. Mean, so after also, a fine he's going season in the top of the thirteenth round, right? Okay, so, so like, what I'm like again, what are you looking for? I'm not looking for a top 20 wide receiver in this offense, but if you're asking me like, Hey, if I'm going to stash a Patriots receiver that I can use during bye weeks who would it be? Sure. Juju will be my answer. He will lead the team in targets. Safe to say. I think so. Yeah. yeah. I think Juju leads the team in targets. I think that the problem with the Patriots though, is that they've got like a lot of like pretty good players, which includes two tight ends. <laughs> Hunter Henry has been by most uh, reports from training camp, their best pass catcher. Mike Kosicki is like an oversized wide receiver who can make just crazy catches left and right. He just doesn't get the, he didn't get the ball that much last year because the Dolphins had obviously Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle, right? So like they've got guys who can play. I just don't know that any of them are a certainty to have a ton of weekly volume or have enough dynamic playmaking that you can say to yourself, all right, if Juju has 130 targets this year, I think he's a top 20 wide receiver weekly. I think he is somewhere like wide receiver, like I said, 27 to 34 is like a pretty solid outcome for Juju on a weekly basis. I think that's fair. Strong I, flex. I think that's fair. I just want to say this. Juju finished as wide receiver 35 last year with the greatest quarterback in the game. Yeah. So I get on a per game basis. I think I totally agree with you when I'm looking at bye weeks, when I need someone to fill in for me, when I have a flex option that needs to be filled in. But the idea of him being a starting flex play for me is just not going to happen based on what I saw last year and how I'm projecting this year. I think it's, I think and maybe this is too anecdotal. I think that role matters a lot more than role can matter more than quarterback play. Sure. Like, Think about what happened with the Seahawks last year, right? Russell Wilson to Geno Smith and those guys exploded, right? Like we saw DeAndre Hopkins perform pretty darn well with like Colt McCoy for a while versus Kyler Murray. Kyler's obviously a better player than Colt McCoy, right? I just think like role, like for Juju, it's a chance to be the number one pass catcher in an offense that did not exist last year. I so, hear you. I just think the players you're suggesting are better than Juju. Like when you're giving. Oh yeah. No, no, no. I'm not, I'm not saying he's not, I'm not, I'm just saying like there are examples of where a player has been just fine with a different, like, you know, like Chris Godwin mashed with Jameis Winston. Like he mashed with everybody basically. No, I'm saying, like, yeah. So we've seen like there are like, and maybe, and again, is Terry he, McLaurin has been mashing player, with a bunch right? of nobodies. Right. So for, for, I think role sometimes matters more. I think that the, the role for Juju, we're, we're splitting hairs over we God. Are, like, we are. Can he, I, you say he's wide receiver 36 last year? Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, he can be like 27 to 34. Again, he can be like a pretty, I think he can be a flex play to the extent that any Patriots wide receiver can be a flex play. Uh, color me intrigued by Hunter Henry. Two tight ends obviously makes it really difficult, but like, yeah, he's a good player. Over over the oversized wide receiver and Mike Kosicki. Yeah, you, you got to kind of pick one or the other here. I'm just uh, like, he's had seasons with close to 10 touchdowns. Hunter is like a good player, right? Yep. He's like a, you know, he's been a franchise tag guy. I don't, I don't know. If, I don't know or think he's made of a pro bowl, but like, 
he can be like one of the 10 best tight ends in football. That's not a totally egregious thought there. So, um, is this a wild card team? No, I got them on the outside looking in. So my first non-playoff team in this entire division, I think they'd be good. Like if you put the, if you put the, let me ask you this. If you put the Patriots in the NFC South right now, they win where the were division. They? That's your feeling, right? Put them in the NFC North. Compete for it, you think, right? They would compete for the division. They'd at least like, you'd be like, yeah, they, I give them a chance, but like they're in the SEC West right now. Right. Right. Oh, that's funny. Will the AFC East be last year's AFC West? Where we all thought they were awesome and then they stink besides the Chiefs. You know, that is an, that is interesting because there is it is not a guarantee that Aaron Rodgers is going to come in and all of a sudden be the, a top five quarterback again. Well, you mentioned the, the Jets schedule. It's, Look at the Patriots schedule coming out of the gates. Not Eagles, Dolphins, Jets, Cowboys, Saints, Raiders. That sounds those first four games, especially awful. like that's tough. Eagles, Dolphins, Jets, Cowboys. It's yeah. not easy. Nope. So no, thank you. Um, my point is that of these four teams, it's possible that like they kind of cannibalize each other. Yeah. Right. And it's like after seven weeks, maybe the bills are five and two, but like the Jets, Dolphins and Patriots are all like there's a three and four team, a two and five and a, and a four and three team in there. Gosh. You know what I'm ready for, Field? Football. Football. Let's go. Just talking about it gets me. I just want to watch football games now that we're talking about yeah, it. Yeah, so to recap, I got Bills, Jets, Jets, Dolphins, all making the playoffs. Bills win the division. Love the Bills this year. Wow. Patriots on the outside looking in, but as a like a team that's not going to be fun to play every single week. That's the AFC East for us, Field. Man. Back tomorrow for more division previews. That you said. Yeah, let's okay. do another uh, division tomorrow. Which one? Okay. Um, I don't know. I forget what we have planned. We'll our, our producer Dave Presley is like, dude, can you please just like for just once look. tease the right <laughs> subject for the next day? So we'll be talking about football tomorrow. AFC West confirmed oh, by Dave. AFC West tomorrow. Um, some thoughts on Patrick Mahomes. Um, I'm going to start preparing him now. Yeah, uh, I will draft Patrick Mahomes. More thoughts on that tomorrow. <laughs> for Daniel, I'm Field, uh, ESPN NFL YouTube page, That's if right. you are so inclined. And we'll talk to you guys tomorrow, same time, same place, AFC West. A full show on exclusively the Raiders fullbacks. Wow. Any thoughts there? No. They actually do use fullbacks still. At least they're going to report to training camp. Ayo, better than the running backs. of Tide, Field is your guy. If you're in Bristol or in Farmington, you should find another ride. Candidly, he hates Mike Clay. And you know that it's a fact. Every hater's gonna hate. Cause he's on TV every day. A spicy tomato who's got the stats and tweets that'll make He's our favorite host and everybody knows his name. He's Field Yates. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore his seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA.